And we are live with the third straight night of the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast. Now, Yeaters. Yeaters. This, this isn't going to be the normal schedule, obviously, but we're just, we just can't stop potting right now. And we know you guys want it. And we have a few questions to answer. We have some news to go over. And we also have a new co host to introduce. Say hello to a, B, a longtime BBB member, Alex Weir. Alex. What's up, guys? No big deal. I'm just I'm just shutting my phone off because it's, I was watching our very own live stream on my phone. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. I was wondering what that was. You're illustrious. Uh, and this is going to be this is going to be Nick's last episode. This is going to be Nick's last episode on the Farmer Babble podcast. Did I interrupt anything that important? It was just Alex's intro. I think you're we right, can right. relax a little wow. bit. Alex, so Alex, before you were so rudely interrupted, go ahead and introduce yourself. And we need your least favorite Yankee and your hot takes. So okay. time, go ahead. All right. So yeah, I'm, I'm Alex. And okay, so for my least wow. favorite Yankee, I know I'm so good at intros, aren't I? Let's no. Hear it. Okay, my least favorite Yankee. I picked Michael Pineda. Oof. Because. He just annoyed the crap out of me because he would have starts where you would look at him and you'd be like, oh, he okay, he's actually figuring it out. Like there was that one start of Mother's Day where he had 16 strikeouts, and then he goes okay. out and gives up seven runs in two innings. Last year's home opener, he what he had a perfect game through all He had a perfect game, and then he was so good for like a month, and you had hope that okay, he's finally figured it out. And then even right, even like right before he got injured last year, he was awful. And you're so inconsistent, that. man. Just he right was, when you thought he was about to turn the corner, he'd go back to being bad. And right when you thought he was awful, he'd go back to being good. So I exactly. feel exactly. Oh, uh, yeah, it, 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 it was definitely a head case, man. And he had so much potential. I, mm -hmm. I thought Pineda and was going to be a great pitcher for us. You, he like he had the problem where he would always give up runs with two outs. Because he'd get two outs and then give up a hit, and then he'd fall apart. Yeah, because the everything, had, everything would get to his head. The Yankees have had too many pitchers like that with the two outs, and like Phil Hughes would get a hitter down to two oh strikes with God. two outs, and then just consistently give up runs. I'm like, that can't be happening. I think, I think, funny enough, the one picture of Michael Pineda that will always stick with me is the picture of him. I think it was in Boston with his neck up and what looks to be poop on his neck, but it's actually obviously <laughs> pine tar. Yeah. It's like, dude, you're not even – He's not no even – didn't even try. Whatsoever. Yes. Yeah, that that good old Pineda. That, that was sad. Yeah. Um, so, Alex, that it's a, you know, it's a good least favorite Yankee to have. What's, right, your, what's your hot take? So, okay, my hot take for this season is that – when the Yankees make the playoffs, they're going to have someone in either their starting lineup or their pitching rotation in the on their on their roster that is not on the team right now. So oh, I'm wow. calling they're going to make a really big like trade acquisition at the deadline. Sounds like Alex is a big Manny Machado, Chris Archer guy, folks. You heard well, it here bit, first. Alex Weir is saying ah. the Yankees are going to acquire Manny Machado and Alex or uh, Chris Archer. At the trade deadline. Hey, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't specifically say them. I'd go for someone else. Well, but... who'd you go for then? Do you have any anybody in mind, or are you just well? At that? I, I, I like to be honest. I really can't think of any one player or group of players that's going to improve this team 
a whole lot. Especially it, for really, it also really depends on like how certain teams do this year too, because you could have teams like I don't know, like the Rockies who they made they made the wild card game last year, but if they start off awfully this year, they could sell and Arenado could be a huge trade chip for them. See, for me, I feel like if your prediction is to come true, I think it'll be a starter that the Yankees either yeah, trade for or, or, or sign. Because to me, I just look at the, the lineup right now. I think there's a lot of depth um, in the organization. So does does this prediction apply to guys getting called up? Or is it? are you saying outside the organization? Yeah, I'm saying outside the organization. Okay, yeah. Then I would say a starting pitcher is probably your best bet. Again, I don't see Chris Archer, but somebody's name will come up. And who knows? Maybe you'll be right. They did it last year with Gray, so you never know. Yeah, good pickup. I mean, you got him, you know, a couple years of control on him too, so it was more than just a win-now move. Exactly. Yeah, so good good start for Alex. Alex is one of our co-hosts. And <laughs> Thanks, Luigi. Don't, don't get too comfortable. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. That, those were his, we had to get those out of the way when uh, Ryan's on for the first time and when AC's on for the first time. Wait, we'll, uh, is Ryan ever going to actually be on or is he just going to continue yeah. to say he'll be on and then Ooh. never, never? Just just throwing it out there because what is this, two nights in a row that he said he'd go to Best Buy and pick up a microphone for this? And uh, funny enough, Ryan's not here. So He's letting us He's down. Saying, yeah, fearless leader absent. Well, two fearless leaders absent, but I digress. <laughs> well... After that, uh, after that blizzard of uh, points, <laughs> let's talk about Adam Lynn, <laughs> who recently just signed a minor league deal with the Yankees. And, you know, Adam Lynn, I know we always remember him for that guy in the Blue Jays that was just always there. But, you know, I think – now, Alex was saying earlier that he doesn't think Adam Lynn's going to make the team. And I don't think he is either, to be honest, because why would he, right? I mean, unless he has a great spring – unless he's just mashing the ball and proves that he's a reliable backup first baseman, then I don't see him making the team. I just think he's incredibly redundant to make the team because Bird's obviously the starting first baseman. Lind is left-handed, and the Yankees could either choose between Lind or Tyler Austin as his backup. And Austin's right-handed, and he's already doing really well in the spring. He had a walk-off home run earlier today. And Lind... He had a really good 2017, but it just doesn't make that much sense to have him on the roster with Bird starting. To me, I'm really interested that the Yankees were able to sign Lynn to just a minor league deal because now he only played 116 games last year, but he hit 14 home runs and hit 303, a 362 on base percentage, and slugged 513. And the guy only struck out 47 times. So he actually had a pretty good year last year, but. Again, I agree with Alex. This is redundant to me, and it kind of reminds me of the Brandon Drury trade. I'm like, the Yankees have already got guys that can hold down these positions. I know Tyler Austin isn't necessarily pegged as an all-star guy, but that guy's got some opposite field pop that I think plays. He has a lot super, of power. Yeah, that plays super well in the Yankee stadium. So kind of like Alex said, we already have Greg Bird. That's you know kind of our pull side, you know, lefty slugging first baseman. So. You know, if the Yankees were considering a platoon at all with Tyler Austin and Greg Bird, um, then this move certainly doesn't play into that because they're both left-handed. So I don't necessarily hate it because I don't expect this to really go anywhere. I think that Lynn will probably opt out of this deal and sign somewhere else at the start of the season. But, I mean, who knows if, if Bird does go down, a guy who hit 303 last year and, and you know, he hit 239 the year before, so he's not a lock for these numbers. 
but I think you can go with worse options. So to me, oh, yeah, I there's, don't. There's there's definitely worse options you could have as a backup to the backup. Oh I yeah, we, I think we saw that there are much worse options last year with uh, that he who should not be named, <laughs> Chris Carter. Ugh. Hey, don't you talk about G Man Choi like that. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely never, right. Forget, never forget those what two three days two, he was in pinch two, two days and he hit like and he had two home runs. I oh. was I had the article in my drafts. Is G Man Choi the next great Yankee first baseman? <laughs> And uh, everything no. just came, and yeah, that's why it was in my drafts. Oh, that's depressing. R.I.P. Well, the Yankees really—the Yankees went through some some first baseman last year. They they left a trail of freaking broken Garrett, hearts oh, there Garrett between. Oh yeah, Garrett Cooper had his four hit game, and then he didn't play much after that. And I'm like, oh geez, like being the first baseman bad. for the Yankees is literally their best like first baseman for the majority of the regular season was Chase Headley. Yeah, yeah, that is when you put it that way. That's a was, pretty grim wait, outlook. Was it? Was it Anduar that just had that great game in Chicago against the White Sox? One good yeah. game. I think <laughs> it was three for four or something like that. He came up, and then they're like, "Yep, nope, we're done with you." That I entire thought- series in Chicago, the Yankees just literally called up like half their top prospects, just to be like, "Okay, yeah, we're we're kind of awful right now, so just just show us what you can do." Yeah, that was that was. I remember the next day reading that alert on my phone, or whenever it happened. Like, you know, Miguel Andujar option to AAA. I thought, I thought there my app was broken. I said, <laughs> how the hell do you option this guy down? But you know, it's not what you want. Scrap um, shuttle, bro. You guys want to jump into some of these mailbag questions? Let's sure. do it. All right. Well, you know, we didn't get a lot of mailbag questions, but we got a few, and we got enough to rattle some off. So let's start with the first one. It's pretty broad. By Tyler at Copy Ninja underscore one, we win in our division this season. So, guys, are we winning our division this season? Oh, easily. Here to explain, sir. Yeah, we, you need a. Are you just going to say easily, Alex? Okay. Well, since Alex doesn't want to explain his answer, I will. Oh. I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm going to say yes. Abs- absolutely, the Yankees. At least right now, you look at it on paper. The Yankees have. Not only one of the best lineups in the game, but the best bullpen. And if they're a lot of it, probably hinges on the starting rotation. And they have a lot of guys, and that when they're at their best, they're pretty dang good. Um, the Yankees only missed the the Red Sox in the division by two games last year, and I think that the Yankees. I mean, they added Giancarlo Stanton, the NL MVP. I mean, that is a, a huge addition. And really? yes, the the Red Sox did add JD <laughs> JD Martinez. Yeah, Stanton's huge in more ways than one. Um, and, uh, so That's, you look at, you know, wait, can I just say something? It's just crazy now that like Stanton and judge are on the same team. They're both like so big. That hasn't I been just, overblown wanna, at all. I like, just wanted to say that. <laughs> the Go two on. Really tall and muscular guys just have to be best friends all of a sudden. Like they, they didn't even know this until also, another, another thing is when it was in the ALCS, when judge and Altuve stood next to each other, that was really funny too. Cause one was really tall and one it'd was be really great tall. if somebody had a picture of that person in everywhere. I, yeah, I digress. I Did digress. Todd Frazier ever have a picture next to Derek Jeter by chance in the, in the little league Did, world series? Or, yeah. I was about to say what Tom's river, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so. Something, something like that. <laughs> but anyways, man, I, I look at the progress the Yankees players made as a whole last year. I, by the end of the year, was there really any doubt that the Yankees were the better team than the Red Sox? I, I honestly, we talked about them last night. Tyler Clippard very well may have cost the Yankees the, the division. So you get rid of Tyler Clippard and you add in, you know, Tommy Canley and David Robertson to the bullpen, 
and you add in a John Carlos Stanton to the lineup, and who knows if Labor Torres and Miguel Andujar come up and produce this year. I honestly think the Yankees will not only win the division, but I don't really think it'll be close. So that's just my take on that. Yeah, I think the Yankees will win the division. I do, but I don't think it's a sure thing like we are. Uh, most people are assuming it to be because you just never know what's going to happen with injuries. You don't know if the Red Sox are going to get a little hot, but I think, I think we'll win the division. Um, let's see what's next. Uh, which place from Mr. Guy bins 24, which player is key for us to be able to have a fully successful season? Greg bird, Torres, Aaron Hicks, Sevy, et cetera. So this is a really good question. If you, cause obviously there's not necessarily a right answer, but if you just had to pick one player that's the most important for this team's success, who would you pick? And I think I know who Alex is going to pick, and he might be right. Well, let's hear it. Oh, Sanchez, easily. Yeah, I think I, I yeah. think I might have to go to Sanchez, too. Because Sanchez is easily – we were talking about this yesterday. He's easily the first or second best catcher in the game. And next up on the depth chart for the Yankees for catching is Austin Romine. Who that's a pretty was, good point. There's a massive drop off. There's an awfully big drop off. Romine was statistically one of the top 10 worst hitters in baseball last year for players that had like it was 200 plus plate appearances. He was one of the worst hitters in baseball. I think that's a good point, and I'm a big Gary Sanchez fan, and this isn't going to be a sexy pick at all, but I'm going to say Aaron Judge because I want to see if he can re- repeat what he did last year because, honestly, a, a massive part of why the Yankees made the playoffs was Aaron Judge. Um, let me remind you what he did in 2017 to the tune of 52 home runs and 127 walks while hitting 284 as a rookie. Um, I've said this in every podcast so far, and I'm going to say it again. He should have been the American League MVP, not only the Rookie of the Year. I mean, you look at all these numbers. If, you know, we didn't overvalue batting average, the one stat more than anything else, you know, in every other category, Aaron Judge had the lead. So I think for me, but, it's but big Nick, that Altuve, Altuve is short. He deserved it. I'm going to ignore that you just said that there, Gingy, <laughs> and keep on and keep on rolling with my thoughts here because I look at Aaron Judge, and if, if he can repeat that to go alongside, you know, John Carlos Stanton, that is. That's 100 home runs between two guys. I mean, that is just insane. So for me, I just want to see him repeat his, his success he had in 2017 because I want to see and be sure it's for real. It would be quite the bummer if he came out and hit like 30 home runs in 250. So for me, I think he's kind of the key to, to keep it going and keep driving this Yankees offensive machine that's now got just a, a killer three between him, Stanton, and Sanchez. Um, yeah, the name I was thinking – of putting as most important was maybe Tanaka because I just think back to last year and you know you said we only finished two games behind the Red Sox if Tanaka has a good year man we win that division because that's just something so easily you could put on where there was at least five six games within the division that Tanaka just completely blew and I think if we had the guy that was supposed to be our ace last year we win the division so but it's hard to argue against Gary because we see what happens when he's not playing it's just it's a bad out of your lineup, and it, you're not just – see, when you lose your catcher, most of the time you're just losing your catcher, right? It's usually you're, using, you're losing your catcher, and then you'll probably lose your eight hitter, right? But with Gary, you're losing one of your best hitters, and you're losing your catcher. So it, it, I think it's got to be Gary. 
But, See, now to yeah. go along with your your point about Tanaka, it's like Tanaka had a bad year last year. Um, very bad. And a very bad year. Clipper blew a lot of games. And like if if they had been, you know, semi decent, the Yankees still could have ended up winning the division, even though they were, you know, projected to not do that well last year, which just shows they really are the better team coming into this year. Because they they easily could have won the division last year, and now they've added Stanton. So just adding that, it just makes it so they easily are the better team than the Red Sox this year. I just think something that we really just have to keep our eye on is, hey, Gary has – I know Gary it's only been two years, but Gary hasn't had a full season. And Stanton last year was really his first full season. So these guys are both guys that spend some time on uh, the DL. And you really just hope they could both stay healthy. Because I I was going to put as my uh, hot take that Stanton was going to finish with under 30 home runs. And not because he was going to be bad, but just because I only thought he, hey, there's a chance he might only play 100, 110 games, right? I could so, see that, honestly. And besides, especially with how good this team's going to be, the moment Stanton's friggin' elbow is sore, they're going to be like, all right, sit down for a couple days. You know, We're, we, we don't need to risk you, you know, getting hurt. But it still team. works because they have so much depth where that even yeah, if they want Stanton to sit down for a day, they have you know, you still have the outfield of Gardner, Judge, and Hicks, and then you can still give Sanchez the DH, and you still have basically last year's lineup, which was really good. Well, one guy that I was thinking of saying too, um, is like a Greg Bird. Um, I know Andrew and I have had some debates. For those who don't know, I'm going to call him out on this while he's not here, but he's, he's projected uh, Greg Bird to hit more home runs than Gary Sanchez. So be sure you go at him and tell him how crazy he is for that. But if we assume that every Yankee last year will come reasonably close to repeating the numbers that they, they put up last year, this year, I think if you have if you take Greg Bird and say, hey, if he can stay healthy, say he hits you know 250 to 270, hits 30-ish home runs, I don't think that's really outrageous. I think that's somewhere right around his ceiling. Can you imagine how how much deeper that makes this Yankees lineup? You know, you got Gary Stanton and uh, Judge, and then you add in, you know, another 30 home run threat in Bird. That could take this Yankees, you know, offense to the next level. That could be the difference between, wow, this Yankees team is pretty good, and wow, this Yankees team is great. Everybody on the team can take you deep or get a base hit or work a walk. So that's another kind of alternative Maybe a guy who, you know, obviously had a down year because of injury last year. If he can come back and contribute, that'd be huge as well. Wait, did Andrew really say he thought Gary was going to finish with more home runs than Bird? I have that tweet screenshotted and favorited. I'll post it up on my Twitter after the show. (laughs) You what? Yeah, yeah, that's hot take king Andrew. And you, look, it's the only way that happens is injury, right? Like, because you always have to count injuries. But just yeah. if you don't, if you say, all right, both these guys are going to play, going to be healthy, they're both going to play between 130 and 150 games, and Bird's going to hit more home runs than Gary. That's a bold take, man. That's more bold than saying Gary's going to win the Gold Glove this year. <laughs> like, I don't know if Gary's ever going to win a Gold Glove. Like, honestly, you know, that's not a knock on it Gary. It could happen. It could, it could definitely, definitely happen. It could definitely happen, but man, winning a gold glove is not just something you do. You know, we, I mean, we, honestly, if he unless if he, you're a pitcher, if he gets better with yeah, his blocking, he really could. 
I, well, he certainly got the arm for it, and I think the the pitch oh, framing yeah. ability. I think it really does boil down to you know his blocking and making plays at the plate. He's got to get those fundamentals down, and if he does, I say he actually has a pretty good chance. Yeah, but I understand that's a pretty big if he does that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it. It could happen, right? Anything could happen, but it's just what they really see. That's the thing, though. Like, what name one catcher in the American League right now that you just look at and say, "Oh, this guy." Is just destined to win five gold gloves behind the plate. Literally, the only catcher I can think Perez. of is Sal Perez. Yeah, yeah. I'm mean, because seeing the NL, I don't even think Buster Posey has a gold glove because Yadier just would. Yadier's so good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like you said, because I, I said to myself, "Damn, Buster doesn't have a gold glove." And I said, "Oh well, Yadier Molina won that award. It was the Yadier Molina award in the NL for a while." So. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well. It was another another Yankee win today. Uh, Tyler Austin get, got the walk off. Hey, Luigi, um, you're missing a question, brother. We got one more question to go through. <laughs> might uh, be the yeah, most important yeah. question uh, there is. Well, I mean, I you know, I almost forget. It was such an important question, I almost forgot about it. Um, <laughs> it's from Justin at Yankees twenty eight, please, and he said, "What is the meaning of life?" I'll take this one. Um, I can't necessarily tell you the meaning of your life, but I can tell you the meaning of ours here at Brock's Bomber Ball. And I think that's to save you from, you know, the the droves of Yankees fans uh, devoid of brain cells on Twitter. Um, let me just real quick read you a tweet thread on our question or on our tweet that says, do you have any questions for this podcast? Yeah, I have one question. We need Chris Archer. I mean, our pitching A-R-E pitching, by the way, not the possessive R, uh, and batting is good, but it is always to have more starting pitching, and Chris Archer or Chris Archer will be great for us. And with Chris, Chris Archer, we can beat we can beat Boston and Houston. <laughs> follow-up. That is not a question. We need Archer and win another follow-up and win the play space offs and the World Series. Well, congratulations. You you're one stupid dumbass. Um is really they're having the playoffs in space this year. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I meant to denote like playoffs is not one word. I'm sorry. There's he didn't actually put type out uh, space. Said playoff space. But cool. Uh, yeah, the meaning I think of our existence is to hopefully we love the Yankees and we want them to do good, but maybe temper some of the guys who say, "Hey, let's. Uh, why don't we trade Ronald Torres for Clayton Kershaw?" Because some people do think that that's a possibility. You. All these guys are like, man, we got to trade for, you know, let's give everybody up for Manny Machado. We got to have him for one year, and then maybe he walks out the door. Um, there's a lot of a lot of bad takes on Yankees Twitter. Um, we we as- all know, really, though, <clears throat> that Machado is only going to – he's going to come to the Yankees in exchange for Brandon Drury. Well, of course. That's that was inevitable. That was the pivotal piece that the Yankees got. It was clearly all angled towards, <laughs> you know, trading down the line for – for ball, the, uh, for Manny Machado from the Orioles, the, the one thing the Orioles were waiting on was, man, you know what? If we had Brandon Drury to go alongside Labor Torres, Miguel Andujar, and Justice Sheffield, we would trade Manny Machado. Let's the do Orioles, it now, the Brian Orioles Cashman. You, Brandon Drury, as the little engine that could. Oh, oh, oh yes, apparently, good, good reference, but uh, <laughs> apparently so. So. I don't know. Maybe I can't tell you the meaning of your life, but we here at Bronx Bomber Ball are here to give you, try and give you calm, rational, level-headed takes on things that other places who might either directly state or heavily imply that the Brandon Drury trade uh, was a better acquisition for the Yankees than Giancarlo Stanton, not calling anybody out there either, um, to kind of hopefully you know, put some of that to the side and give you some 
I would I like to say at least more informed takes where we look at the numbers and say this is you know based on the numbers what we think is going to happen here. So that's my take on it. I don't know if you guys want to join in on what's the meaning of life or the meaning of ours, but I think I did my bit. I and, I think you summed it up pretty well, Nick. Hey man, I'm I'm still trying to figure out the meaning of life. I, I still don't know. I still have no idea. Hey, I take that back. I actually take that back. I do know the meaning I, of life, guys. I feel and like it I, is. I feel like Dell and Batantis with the runner on base out here. Well, let me tell you what. <laughs> I actually do know the, the meaning of life, and I'm about to tell y'all it is none other than yeeters. That word, seven letters, yeeters is love, yeeters is life, guys. That's what the meaning of life is, yeeters. 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 All right, boys, so getting a little late in the show here. So let's go over some of these pinstripe previews. Now, remember, you can go over to bronxbomberball.com. Uh, got a lot of great writers on there. And we've been posting pinstripe previews for individual players. And let's start with Dylan Batantis. Now, I know what you're thinking. You you probably turned this off already because I said Dylan Batantis. I know. I would I have too. I would have too. Right? I'm about to turn my laptop off right now because Dylan Batantis last postseason was brutal. And it really is going to be interesting to see if – he comes back and is is his because look he's a four time All Star right like if you look at the list of pitchers that have made the All Star team the last four years it's like Kershaw someone else and like Batances so I mean the dude is has that elite level of talent so what do you guys like let me just say this do you guys think in the month of April like in Batances' first five appearances do you think he's still gonna have the yips or is he just gonna be shutting guys down? I don't know, man. I I would hope not. It wouldn't surprise me if he had the yips. I'll put it that way because this, unfortunately, he's gone through stretches where he's incredibly dominant and then stretches where he just can't seem to throw a strike. And I think that Del Batances has probably the best breaking ball in all of Major League Baseball, but it's gotten to a point where he throws it so often, everybody in the league knows it's coming. And they know if they just lay off of it, you know, if he's not throwing it for a strike, then he's he's really no threat to them. They can just sit up there and wait for a fastball or something like that. So I think that Dallin rebounds this year. Um, I think he can get it back together. He's been elite before. You know, he's got the whole spring to work on this. So I think he can get it back together. And as we've been saying, Dallin Patances is the difference between a pretty good – it seems like we say this for everything – a pretty good Yankee bullpen and a pretty freaking great Yan- uh, Yankee bullpen if you put him alongside – Robertson, Canely, Chapman, uh, who am I missing? I'm missing one. Uh, uh, Chad Green. So if you put him alongside those guys, and if if Dellen is himself, that's huge. So I don't really know if I want to delve in and say that he's going to be back to himself in April, but I I would say in the playoffs next year, he's definitely back to him old self, his old self and playing a bigger role than he did this last year for sure. Yeah, I hope so, but – by the way, I just want to mention something real quick. I'm still calling guys like Chappie and all the like, even though Girardi's <laughs> not here anymore. I, it's still, it's never going away. It's not like, what you want, bro. Not what I want. Um, yeah, I think Batantis is honestly going to still have the yips like come the start of the year. I just don't. I don't see any way that he's just not. Has he even pitched in spring training yet? Like I haven't been paying. He pitched attention. one time, didn't he? Yeah, wow. and he walked somebody. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's already good, broken. Yeah, you know how I know. Did, did Batantis walk page post? Yep, that's yes. exactly what I was about to say. I was about to plug <laughs> that and say, go follow. Yeah, did Batantis walk somebody on Twitter? 
Uh, but uh, this is straight from uh, the Pinstripe preview of Balpatances that's written by our, none other than our own Andrew, who was on the pod the first two nights, but he had a, a nacho convention to go to tonight. Um, $35 direct, ticket. Direct, reading directly from, yeah, Andrew said he only shops at Whole Foods. And I said to myself, geez, man, you must be like Elon Musk out there, man. He's only shopping at Whole Foods. <laughs> Um, after being tagged with an earned run in blown stave and just his second appearance of the season at Baltimore, Patances was nearly perfect over his next 22 games. And listen to these stats. Didn't allow any earned runs in 22 games. Seven hits, three wins, five saves, and 21 and third innings pitch. And he still walked 13 guys in those 21 and third innings, but he struck out 42 hitters. I mean, that is just the definition of dominance out of the bullpen. And that wasn't just a, you know, a span of a month, a span of two months. That was a pretty much a three-month span. So, and I still remember when he started imploding. I think I was up in uh, North Jersey when it happened. He just, it was like the end of June. And he just, it was, it started getting bad. I think my, yeah, my mom was at the game where he literally walked in, like he walked the bases loaded and then walked in a run to lose the game in the eighth inning. And that was the point where you said, wow, th- this is, you know, this is travel. This is like little league stuff where like you, the kid can't even get the ball across the plate. So I think that's just really concerning, not just for his, you know, mechanic, because I don't think it's a mechanical issue at this point. Like it has to be mental, right? Like you just don't have the yips that bad when you're like, as good as a guy as Batances. So I don't, it's, it might be the most intriguing storyline headed into mm-hmm. the year, right? I mean, maybe you could maybe say Judge, you could say Giancarlo, but. What Batances, like anytime Batances comes in, that, like Batances, it could be September, and Batances could have a .25 VRA, right, and like 150 strikeouts and 50 in. And I'm still going to be scared. Like, well, is this going to be it? Is he about to just walk home like the winning run right here? Because you, you just never know with him, man. You never know with Batances. He's, he's, he's about to be 30 years old. That's crazy. I still that think crazy. Really? Yeah, wow. dude, I still think Batances is like 26. Yeah, you know, like, I, I don't think, think he's, he's like a old. young guy. Like, yeah, he's 30 years old, or he's about to be 30. Jeez. Well, I'll tell you what, man. Here's a hot take for you. When when Dylan Batances is on, is on and he's locating and he's he's got his stuff, I think he's the filthiest pitcher in all of baseball. He might Between, be, he's, he's got Clayton Kershaw's breaking ball and Roldis Chapman's fastball. I mean, for all intents and purposes, that is that is straight filth. So I agree. It's It's just – it is very intriguing, and it would be so huge – for the Yankees, if he could get it back together, and, and again, I think he will. I think he'll work it out, but he could just be such a weapon, man, such an addition to an already stacked bullpen, so hopefully he can straighten it out. Alex, do you have any any other thoughts about yeah, I just, Buddy Dillon? I think with him, it's just he needs to learn to control his fastball more. Um, yeah. And in, in like April, it just I – I wouldn't expect him to just be – come out start season and just be outright dominant because the beginning of the season, everyone's still working out any little problems that they have. But I agree with you guys thinking I'm, he, he definitely is going to rebound to some extent. Um, I would still expect him to have a little bit of a, like a, ever a hiccup every now and then, but which, which would be fine. You know I mean? He's always yeah, going to have, yeah, he's not, he's not going to be perfect, but um, I just, it, He's such a good reliever that it's so difficult to, you know, debate this. Where last year, he, he literally, it was scary to bring him into a game towards the end of the year. Yeah, it was terrifying. It, it was awful. Like, he, um, that one ALCS game, 
where he came in and just walked five different yeah. he had four or five walks and then Girardi was like yeah we're done and just brought in Canley and closed the game like we we like I right, gave you a chance but we're done here yeah so yeah. it's going to be very interesting to see what Dallin does which um, and it it's he um he was he pitched what three innings and in, I think it was game 2 of the ALDS too and he was good up until he yeah. you know blew the game <laughs> but I don't I don't blame him for that because he pitched he kind of was overworked there, but yeah, still. Yeah, that, that wasn't his fault. Um, so up next for the pinstripe preview, we're going to be doing, I think we'll do like three of these each show from here on out until the season starts so we can get through all of them. Um, next up, we'll go to a guy that probably hit the biggest Yankee home run that I can remember since Ibanez, and that's D.D. Gregorius. And which which Yankee home run am I talking about? That's, that's what I – actually, I'm going to debate that real quick. Which home run was bigger, the wild card home run or the Kluber home run in Game Five? I say I the say, wild card. I say the wild card one. Yeah, the Yankees don't make <sighs> it. To, the Yankees don't make it to the ALDS without that. And that I mean, because the Yankees were dead in the water, dude. I I was about to turn the game off and say, wow, the Yankees are getting blown out by the Twins, and DD got the team back into that game. And again, they were both winner take all games, but the Yankees were never down in you know the ALDS. Uh, game five, whereas they were down pretty heavily in the wild card. So to me, I got to go with the wild card homer. See, now, when I was that, there's something about that second Kluber home run, man. It, that was just so surreal. Like, it was just so just incredible that he just took the guy that I mean, he didn't win the Cy Young at that point, but the guy that you knew was the AL Cy Young, where it just took taking him deep twice in a winner take all game. Sheesh, I don't know, man. It's tough to beat that. See, now I vote the wild card game just because, like. I remember I was re- I was the one who recapped the game, so I just hated my life when they went to the bottom of the first inning and it was three nothing, and I'm and I was just dreading having to watch the rest of the game and recap it. And then I remember I think it was Gardner walked and then Judge singled, and I started having a little hope back. And then I think San- Sanchez did something. He he got out, and I kind of just lost all faith. And then Didi hit the home run. And all of a sudden, the game was tied, and they were right back in it. And it just – that type of thing right there. The stadium was electric. There was nothing like that in the entire playoffs with the exception of maybe Sanchez's double in the ALCS. Man, that the bird home run was also cool. Or and the bird home run, yeah, yeah. But, like, I think I choose the wildcard game homer just because the Yankees were in Cleveland for – um, Didi's two homers off of Kluber, so like you didn't you didn't feel like the energy from the crowd as much as you did in the wild card game. See, right. for me, if you're asking me which I enjoyed more, then I'm absolutely taking the home runs against the Indians. For those of you who don't know, I live in Ohio. I'm surrounded by Indians fans, and they're some of the most <laughs> miserable people to be around in the world. I hate the Indians more than I hate the Red Sox. Let's put it that way. And so to be down two games, nothing against them. I'm hearing shit from all the Indians fans and, and stuff at work. And then to to have Didi do that, come out in game five and just demoralize and, and, and pour it on them from the get-go. Oh, my Lord, was that sweet. You know, <laughs> not do it not only once, but twice. So I'll say, yes, I enjoyed those more. But to me, I just feel like the wild card was just bigger because that was a team that was just dead in the water from jump, and he he got them back in it all by himself pretty much. 
Right. So after that, that was a good little debate. I just wanted to bring that up. But so DD Gregorius, right? Now we none of us none of us imagine this, right? If you if you say if you sit there and say that you like, oh, I I saw this coming. Like yeah, DD, I saw him hitting two ninety with twenty five home runs, right? Like for sure. No, no one saw this coming. I mean, he's become one of the best shortstops in baseball. That's another debate to have. Where DD yeah. ranks among shortstops because. A few lists in the offseason put him at like number eight. Behind the one, like, the one for an MLB Network didn't even have him in the top ten. Uh, that is uh, ridiculous. To me, he's top five at least. Yeah, easily. easily. And Tim Beckham above him. Yeah, I was about well, to say that's what, disrespectful. There was a name I saw that was like DD was next to, and that was it. Was Tim Beckham? And I just I said to myself, "Well, it was a, a race, like it's a speed competition. <laughs> is that what we're yeah. going off of?" But yeah, I mean DD. It's good. I think I was saying on the I forget which one was the first or second episode. I think DD might be the safest bet to be your guy that hits over 300, right? Between Gary and Giancarlo and Judge, I think DD might be your 300 hitter because just think of it going into it like when you're game, like I know like a pitcher really doesn't necessarily game plan for a lineup, like uh, you know, let's say like the sport like football, but as a pitcher, you're going to be so concerned about Judge, about Giancarlo. I mean. It's going to be kind of easy to forget about DD because I feel like DD is just going to be one of those guys that no matter how good he is, people are just always going to like forget about him, right? People are just always going to be the people are going to or pitchers are going to get by Judge, they're going to get by Gary, and then they're going to think they're off the hook when there's DD who could just easily smack one out, right? Yeah, I see, well, I see, you know, I, I could see DD hitting over 30 home runs this year. I know that might sound crazy, but. He could have. He could have last year if he played the yeah. whole year. Any lefty that has some pop that's on the New York Yankees, I think, is a threat to hit thirty home runs. And hey, Didi fits that mold, doesn't he? Easily, yeah. I mean, I think that Didi, like, if he stole bases, that'd be a five-tool guy right there. Like, he plays yeah. outstanding defense. You know, like you said, he's hitting for pop, hits for average, so. I mean, he strikes me as a very athletic guy. You see him play the field. Like, I, I would assume he's pretty quick. So maybe if the Yankees let him run more, but he's not, he's, he's not a, slow. He's pretty, he's pretty yeah. quick for now. So to me, I just look at him and, and say, this is a really underrated guy. Maybe you make the case to say from the earlier question, Didi could be the key if he can come back out and repeat his performance. Because, like, like Luigi said, I wrote an article, you know, talking about why the Shane Green for Didi Gregorius trade was awful and how he wasn't going to measure up to Derek Jeter and this and that. And I was wrong. I was 100% wrong. I think in my defense, though, there wasn't a whole lot, at least numbers-wise, that he'd done to make me think that. So this has just been a case of a guy clearly just working hard and, and improving himself in his swing, you know, over the course of his career in baseball. And so to me, I think that's awesome. Uh I don't know. I would say 30 home runs this year. I think he can do it. I think 30 home runs. I don't know if I'll if I'll go with the 300 prediction. I'll say 290s, 280s um, to go alongside what we already know is stellar defense. And you might be looking at D.D. Gregorius getting finally getting the recognition he deserves as you know in either top five or if he plays well enough, maybe even a top three shortstop this year. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Obviously, it's gonna, he's going to have a new uh, a new partner. Uh, across from that second whoever that will be we'll see um i think at this point though because look we we might as well just keep talking about the whole anduar slash drury <laughs> third base competition 
it, even even with second base, I think there's a chance that actually Anduar and Drury are both starting to start the year because the more I think about it, the more I say, all right, Glaber's not going to be there. I don't think I don't think after last year, I don't think you could just put Tyler Wade in the open day starting lineup, right? I mean, he has to at least prove it to you in some capacity that he could hit at a major league level, which he didn't last year. I feel like if Wade really tore up spring training, he might have a chance to start, but I mean, he's been okay so far. He hasn't been great. To me, it wouldn't surprise me if it doesn't. I I fully expect the opening day lineup to have Drury in it, whether it's at third base or second base. I don't necessarily think he should be at third base. And in fact, I strongly feel that he shouldn't. I think he'll, in all likelihood, start at second base, hopefully, and Duhar is holding down uh, third base because we all know that Torres is going to be sent down. This is something else we said like every single podcast that Torres is going down to the minors for a couple weeks to manipulate that service time and uh, come back from the, you know, the surgery on his non-throwing arm. So I don't know. I look at it that way and I say, yeah, you know, Drury's probably going to start the year, but the whole crux of my arguments as far as, you know, Andujar and Torres over Drury go is, you know, when they are both, you know, and Duhar should be ready now, but when Torres has had his, you know, whole service time thing and he's back from injury, those guys need to be given the opportunity to play over Drury because Drury has played and we've seen what he can do. It's it's not bad, but it's not good. It's okay. It's it's average. And these are two guys who we're seeing it and Duhar. He can he's he's got pop in the bat. He can swing it. And Torres, we all know, is a really highly touted prospect too. So I just think that those two could very well be better long run. Uh and both in the short term and long run over jury. See, now my thinking is that I, I really think the best case scenario would be to have Andohar at third and Drury at second to start the season. And then I think what the Yankees might do is they will keep Torres down a little bit longer, even after the service time manipulation, just because he really did not play that much in AAA last year before he got injured. Like he started off, I believe he started off in Double A, and then he was promoted, and he he played a a little bit, but he did not play too much. And I don't think he tore it up in uh, the minors last year, did he? He was he wasn't bad. I mean, I'm saying like I don't think he you know he was just mashing like you know yeah like the prospect at his level dude. And obviously you know the minors are different. Guys come up differently. Guys, some guys come up slowly, but. Well, to kind of tie it back into Didi real quick, like they say Andujar and Torres are given shots, you know, you slide them in alongside Didi at shortstop and Greg Bird at first. That's a pretty damn good infield, you know, assuming that the two rookies pan out. Um, We all know how good this outfield is, but it just it really shows you how this organization has changed just in the last two years, how now they're suddenly one of the deepest in baseball. They they've got probably what we could call the best outfield in all of baseball. And who knows, in the next few years, it might be the best infield to go alongside it. Okay, if, if Andohar and Glaber live up to their hype and so, and Bird is healthy, um, just an infield of Andohar, Didi, Glaber, and Bird is the best infield in baseball. Possibly. Uh, I hate to say it. I, I, I might still take Houston's infield over that. I don't know. Well, I'm not saying right now. I'm saying in the next couple of years. Yeah, Alex no, is the one who's painting it as right now. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree, but I, I just – Way to throw me under the bus there, Nick. Oh, hey, you're I'm, welcome, Gigi. Look, man, I'm, I'm just not going to be that biased where, you know, I'm just going to overlook Carlos Correa and that little uh, that little short guy over at second and the other Who? One. I don't know. Um, 
So I, I forgot to do this after Batantis, but I was going to do a little uh, over and under. So over and under 280 average for Didi in 2018. I'm going to say over. I'm going to say slightly over. Yeah, I'll say over too. I say he hits around maybe 285, maybe slightly lower. Um, I'm going to say he hits closer to 290. Over and over under for Didi, 24 and a half home runs. Over. Over. You see, I know I said he could hit 30, but I'm going to say slightly under. Because just think of it. It would be pretty tough to do to almost break the Yankee shortstop home run record and then do it again the next year, break his own record. Yeah, but every year he's been in the Yankees, he's just continuously gotten better. So why would he not wow. get better next year? It just sounds to me, you heard it here first, guys. Uh, Matthew Luzzi hates Didi Gregorius, and he thinks he's terrible. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not even going to lie. When Didi was first on my TV screen, I said to myself, who is this guy? Like, is this who we traded for? And oh, Everybody that, said that. Every, that's what I'm saying. Oh, he was awful. He, the beginning of 2015, Didi was awful. Yeah, he was, it was, it was pretty, pretty bad. The difference is you're just the one who still hates him, Luigi. <laughs> yeah, me and Nick are his biggest fans. <laughs> Luigi yeah. just... Look, I love Didi, but Didi Gregorius was the type of guy that you just saw that name and you're like, did MLB the show create this guy? Like that, <laughs> Didi, Gregorius, Didi Gregorius is a name that you see in like year 2029 20, in MLB the show when it's like all like, you know, no uh, real players anymore. You're just like, oh, it's Didi Gregorius is the shortstop of the Yankees now. Sir Didi Gregorius. Uh, Sir Didi. Um, let's see. Who should we, who, who should be our final pinch track preview? Uh, you know, we were just talking about him, so why not? The Birdman of New York, Greg Bird. Um, now let <laughs> was there was there that no there was a lot of things more painful than uh, Greg Bird's start to the year. Um, speaking of, there was a lot of painful things that happened to the Yankees that first half of the year between Chris Carter and Tyler Clippard and Greg Bird just literally almost hitting below 100. That that was a. I'm surprised they survived that. If it weren't for Judge hitting like a hundred home runs every game, I think we would have been a lot more upset. But the Birdman. I think, I think if they hadn't started off so well and like they did so well, even though Bird was doing so badly, if they had started off just kind of mediocre, then it would have been a lot more painful. Yeah. So Bird only played four in 48 games last year. Um, remember, he was the MVP of spring training. Right? How many did he have? Nine home runs last spring training. I think it was either eight or nine. Yeah. He was just like he was the spring. Him and Tanaka, right, were the the king and queen, the prom king and queen of spring training, and they both were pretty bad in the regular season. Uh, Bird start. Bird had a six for sixty stretch to start the season. Six for sixty. One one of those hits was an absolute bomb on Sunday night baseball. Three three of those hits were in one game. That was, those were all on Sunday night baseball. <laughs> It was like, here's Greg Bird batting .80, and there's a ball that's going 400 feet to right field. <laughs> and, yeah, so – but it, it was weird to think that Bird actually did come back in late August and salvage his numbers a little bit. I mean, he ended up hitting 190 with nine homers and 28 RBIs. But I, it's, it's another guy. There's so many interesting storylines with this Yankee team. And Bird, you just add to the list, the guy that had some – not some big post. He had two big postseason home runs, right? I mean, one was at the end of the game. It really didn't do anything, but I think he showed that he still got that, uh, still got that fire, and I'm still got those uh, postseason dramatics. And um, but I've hear, you know, you hear a lot of people saying uh, that 
Greg Bird could be the best hitter on the Yankees, right? Because you, you always heard that, like, when he was coming, like, oh, when Judge and Gary and uh, Bird were coming up, Bird was the best hitter, right? It wasn't Judge and Gary. It was Bird. And there's there's still those people out there. Like, they're they're in their caves. They're, they don't uh, share their last Andy name. Andy But they <laughs> are out there that saying, like, well, Greg Bird, you know, he's, he's like a sneeze away from hitting 40 home runs this year. So, and I just wanted – I – Honestly, just want to see Greg Bird play more than 120 games, and I would be happy. I would be ha- if this what I was. This what I realized the other day. If Greg Bird, let's say, hits 255, 21 homers, 75 RBIs, that that's gr- that's not great, but that's very good. Like I would take that because if you're getting that's good carried, for a first full exactly, season. Exactly. If that's for your first baseman, that's probably going to be hitting six, right? Your first baseman that you're not relying on to uh, be your slugger. That would be great. So that's all Bird needs to do. But it's really about staying healthy and you know not fouling a ball off your foot, right? So what what do you guys see for Greg Bird in 2018, the Birdman in New York? Well, to me, I feel like Greg Bird was the best hitter in the Yankees system until he had that shoulder surgery. And shoulder surgery tends to really mess with hitters' power. Um, I believe Adrian Gonzalez had the same surgery on his shoulder. And when he came back, he was never really the same. He still wasn't a bad hitter, but the days of him hitting 30, 40 home runs was was over from there on out. So for me, when I look at Greg Bird this season, I expect um, 30 at the absolute most because this is a guy who, as we said, injuries are a legit concern. I just want to see him stay on the field. Um, and if he stays healthy, I think you can expect a degree of rust to go with that. So I don't know. I, I'd call 260 average-ish and let's say 26 home runs. And I still think that's a success and something he can build off of. And maybe he does have 30 or, you know, maybe low to high 30s uh, home run potential in the future. I just wouldn't expect that this year. Right. Yeah, it's, it would be tough to expect that breakout year uh, this year, especially just seeing and whether it was from injury or not. He was bad last year, right? He was he started off. Yeah, he's horrible. I mean, that Terrible. that's. That's not something you like. Judge struggled. Stephen right? Drew looked good compared to him. <laughs> well, hey man, that I said didn't... it. I said it. <laughs> oh man, so that that yeah, we're gonna be doing those uh, pinstripe previews. Just going through those. Um, those were written. Those three pinstripe previews were written by uh, Matt G and Andrew. Um, give them a shout out. They're both really good dudes, except Andrew. He's really not that good of a dude. Um, so just Matt G's a good dude. Yeah, I'm just Matt G's a good dude. Yep. But that's really all we got for tonight. Um, We're going to be, like I said, we're going to be doing a lot of these during spring training. I mean, there's really nothing else to do during spring training, right? Other than talk Yankees, debate, uh, give our opinions. Watch Andohar hit two home runs a game. Yeah, watch Andohar have four home runs with still like three weeks of spring training left. So for me, Matt, for Nick, for Alex's debut, this is the Bronx Bomber Babble Podcast. And, oh, I almost forgot to mention that we're on SoundCloud now. We're going to be on iTunes. I'm going to try to get us on a lot of other uh, podcast sites that people listen to podcasts on. So we're going to be everywhere pretty soon. But we appreciate the support. We've gotten, I think, around almost 200 views on our first two uh, episodes in only a couple days. So appreciate that. And we'll see you next time. Yeaters. Yeaters.